I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Ausbiz Australia's only business and markets channel. Great to have your company. It's just gone midday and that is when we do the call. 60 minutes of, um, of analysis of 10 stocks that you provide and uh, we go through and put it to our expert panel. And today we've uh, talked about experts. This is experts with a capital, of e, a capital E. Gaurab Sodhi, the Deputy Head of Research from InvestSmart is joining us. Gaurab, well, welcome to the program. Good to have you aboard. Thanks, David. Fantastic to be here. And Nathan Summers Andaram for the strategists of Blue Ocean Equities. Nathan, good to have you aboard as well. Nice to be here. Two, uh, two old combatants from previous business channels, and it's great to get you back together again here on Ausbiz. <laughs> Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, so both of them are pretty vocal and uh, we're looking forward to their analysis. So what is the call? Well, the call is um, based here at our Barangaroo um, studios here on Ausbiz uh, between midday and 1pm every afternoon. It's 60 minutes. We look at 10 stocks in that 60 minutes and all of those stocks have been submitted by you. Uh, which you want to know more about, basically whether to buy, hold or sell. And uh, we've got a fascinating group of 10 today. So let's get uh, straight into it. Gaurav, we'll kick it off with you. Uh, one of our viewers has sent in Whisper, sort of a, a SaaS software business that um, I think uh, made the headlines recently because Victorian Health are, are starting to use them for alerts on COVID-19. Uh, what do you know about Whisper? Yeah, this is an interesting little business. So we had a quick look at this as it IPO'd last year. And I must say, I looked at it quite skeptically because, you know, last year we were in the middle of this enormous um, SaaS software boom. And it just seemed as though a lot of fragile businesses took that opportunity to list on the ASX. Um, I'm happy to say that I don't think Whisper is one of those. It's actually been in business um, since early 2000s. It's founder led and it came out of, it was spun out of Telstra Ventures. So it has um, the financial backing of Telstra and it's got Telstra as a really important customer mm -hmm. and has had that for a long time. It's basically a, a software platform that allows um, businesses to issue um, broad scale communications um, uh, with, with thousands of individuals at one time. And it can do that automatically um, or very simply um, with, with an individual sending the messages off. So it has a bit of a niche um, but definitive purpose and um, it, it's a hard one to sort of value for now. If you're investing in a business like this, you're really doing it in the hope that it will become a much larger and more successful business, business in the future. And we just don't know how likely or probable that is. Um, look, it, it, there's no bombs in there. The business looks fine. The management looks great. Um, it's, mm. the, the sales are ticking along nicely. There are a few things to, to worry about. And mostly it's, it's just that 
it's not yet self-funding, so operating cash flow is not yet positive, and that's mostly because it's spending you know, 30, 40% of its revenue pumping back into sales and marketing, trying to get more uh, revenue and more um, clients. It's probably the right move um, because the clients in this space are ultra valuable. They hang around for a long time and they pay um, sticky revenues. Um, so look, I think the valuation looks okay. He saw three times revenue. If you're interested in taking a bit of a speculative position, um, then this is a good one um, to speculate on. I'd call this intelligent speculation. But you know, there's very little I feel that we can add as analysts looking at a business like this, where so much of its future is really unknown. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Nathan? Oh, look, I think Graham's bang on. I'll put a macro spin to it. Right now, we're in a market where volatility is too high. Uh, people are uncertain. You've had a 20 to 30% fall. Uh, people are looking for certainty. Uh, the big guys are looking for liquidity. And this is a 100, 120 odd million market cap. Um, it's not the high end for liquidity. Um, tech space has had a phenomenal good run two to three years. Um, so this sector has done really well. So the market's a bit too worried to jump in now, late in the game. Whispers come back a bit. Um, Gaurav's right, I think it's a good stock, but it's in a bad market. It's probably not gonna get the love in the short term. It probably will struggle over the next six to 12 months as it builds up, because it is, you're looking at the market right now of saying, who's gonna raise capital? Who's gonna downgrade? And Whisper is gonna have time delays, just like everyone else. So that's a pseudo downgrade for these guys because they're burning money trying to get customers. Uh, So in that context, I think there is risk to the model. Uh, but you know, if you have a two-year time frame at this point, I don't think many yeah. people have a three-month. And, and to, Telstra backing does that does it, that uh, give you a bit of comfort? It is, uh, but it's it's the thing with tech stocks, uh, especially in this space, is you have a period of time where you're in the sweet spot. You need to monetize and become that critical mass. Yeah. If you don't reach that critical mass, and someone else comes with the better, uh, uh, I suppose, gadget to catch the same thing, then you get superseded, and Telstra yeah. will do the deal with the, them as well. So you have that till you don't have it. So okay. the reality is they're in that sweet spot. They need to execute. The market's bad, so it's going to be a bit tough. Yeah. So for me personally, there are better healthcare stocks, that, you know, larger ones that are actually much better on global play and have come back. I would look at them. Whisper's probably not at the top of the list. Okay. All right. Interesting story behind it, though. So yes. I love little companies like this, hearing about how they've actually developed, and it's one of the things that we're, we're doing here in Ausbiz that, that yes, we will bring you the very latest of the top 200 stocks, but we'll also bring you the great stories from the smaller mid-caps as well because uh, they often don't get the coverage in traditional business market that they would like. And, uh, and also private equity, we're really interested here in Ausbiz, that start-up space and scale-up space. We had a, a great example of that yesterday when we were talking to the guys from Deputy with their new product suite as well. A, a great private business here in Australia. All right, Whisper, uh, Gaurav, shall we go with your um, an intelligent speculative? An intelligent speculative. Yeah, I think if you want to speculate, I mean, this is the kind of business where- well, I think he's um, just dropped out on the Skype, time. but yeah, I've, I've um, uh, earmarked that, Nathan, as uh, probably the right description for yeah, it. Yeah, I think it is speculative, but it's, it's yeah. a good one. All right, um, Sydney Airport, Nathan, what do you reckon? Oh, look, it's, it's a classy asset, one of the top of the range, but it's very highly geared, um, and it's going to go through a, a decent downswing. Right. Uh, I think 
you will see numbers down on travel for a period of time. It's not it must be, be taking a massive hit. Oh, it'll be a substantial hit, and yeah. it's not going to be fixed just because suddenly the virus goes away. I, mean, I think people will struggle to travel uh, for at least six to 12 months from here, yeah. and that will take further hits. So at some point, they'll probably have to raise money um, to cover the, uh, you know, as revenue falls off, you have to raise money to ca cover the gap. So in that context, it'll probably get diluted, but it is one, when you see the word capital raising getting done, you buy that stock. Right, Because okay. it is going to be there 10 years down the track, uh, it doesn't matter what happens to Sydney Airport's number two, it is one, is the main one, and it's the premium brand, and it's a great right. infrastructure stock. So for the long-term holders, you wait for that word capital raising, and when that happens, you buy it because you're not going to get a bite. It'll be the fund managers putting the bill for that, and they'll get a good discount, and the stock will probably go down a bit on that, and that's when you buy the stock. Okay, all right. Gaurav, what do you reckon of City Airport? I notice politicians today, the, um, um, the Feds, saying, hey, even if we get uh, COVID-19 under control here, uh, it could take a while um, for us to open our borders up to international travel again. And um, that will be tougher. And, and that will be an anchor around Sydney Airport, won't it? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's right. This is not a business where the virus goes away and we're back to normal behaviour. I think Nathan's on the money there that there's going to be behavioural changes and a bit of a lag before we get back to normal. And it's not really, the capital structure isn't really appropriate for that. So I am expecting a, a capital raising at some point. Having said that, we actually recently bought this for the first time in years. We've, we've owned it in our portfolios for, for many, many years, and we recently added to those positions. Um, it is a, a company that I think it, it, the debt level looks really high, but it's intelligently structured, and it's structured in a way that isn't going to cause um, problems. Um, so yes, there, there's a risk of a capital raising. I would buy into that capital raising. Now is the time to start just dribbling money into the into the stock now, and if there's a capital raising, you can dribble some more later on. I'd also point you into, into the direction of Auckland International Airport, which is another one um, we've been looking at. I think it's arguably a better quality asset than Sydney, simply because it owns all its land. Um, Sydney Airport has long-term leases on its land, and it has um, development optionality. So Auckland Airport is actually the largest property developer in New Zealand, and they're developing all the surrounding land into distribution centers, um, warehouses, logistics centers. So there is decades of inbuilt revenue growth um, in Auckland. And the balance sheet is also geared, but probably less so than Sydney. And I think that's a, it's an interesting idea as well. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I completely agree. I think Auckland International Airport is uh, probably a better play, but it's probably not. I do agree in the, in, in the infrastructure side of things where they can expand quite, quite a bit. And I would think that if you look at the structural change that's going to go through the economy and how the sentiment of the traveler is going to be into the future, New Zealand has always benefited from being the clean um, target. So in that context, I think the tourism will be attracted to go to New Zealand with any kind of issues. And given the, the Prime Minister of New Zealand has actually done quite a good job in managing the, uh, the public perception of New Zealand, yep. uh, I think it'll probably bounce first, uh, well, uh, before the Australian one will, yeah. the tourism side of things. So okay. I think that, look, I agree with Graf. Um, I would love to have a go at him, but actually that's, <laughs> that's, that's one I've actually looked at as well. And I actually think that's a, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and with Sydney Airport, uh, Gaurav, you're saying 
the debt's been intelligently done. What do you mean by that? You don't have, um, it's a mixture of um, traded instruments, um, floating instruments, um, bank debt. So it's, it's, it's well diversified. So it's not at the mercy of banks. One of the things we learned from the GFC is the structure of your debt is just as important as the quantum of your debt. And by that, I mean that if you have a, a bank or an aggressive hedge fund that's um, holding on to your debt instruments, um, they can actually call on those debts to be turned into equity. And, and you, your asset can, otherwise trading really well, can be in a lot of trouble simply because you've got an aggressive um, debt instrument on the books. And that's not really the case with, with Sydney Airport. And I think that's one no, thing that no. makes the size of the debt a bit more digestible. Sure. Okay. The, the other thing I would jump in and put for that is a lot of global pension funds, including local ones, when they merge together, we've got big super funds merging to make mega funds, they will be in a position to come in and make bids on these massive infrastructure plays and take the whole thing within themselves. When they were smaller, it's harder to do. Right. As they become mega industry funds, they have the capacity to take out. I would not put it out of realm of possibility. That's one of the big industry funds actually look at taking a substantial step into Sydney airports in this oh, format. okay. What, take it over completely? I would Make say they'll take, a, they'll take a big chunk of it that no one else can take it over. Right, okay. And then grind it out mm, slowly. Okay, interesting. All right, let's go from air, airports to aged care, SDR healthcare. What do you reckon, Nathan? Um, look, I think it's, it's a sector that's being hit by just about everything. Um, but in the shorter term, I'm still not completely clear on what the model is going forward so it's really hard to forecast where they're going to be uh, but it is an industry that you need mm. and it's an industry that the government cannot do because they just don't have the money they don't want to get involved so they're never going to want to kill it off and uh, they want to keep it going so you would assume that there's about three or four listed entities there and there's a lot of mum and dad shops out there so my guess is they'll raise the bar enough that the mum and dad shops will get sold down and these guys will accumulate over okay. time and you'll be left with three or four. I think SDA will be one of them. When it comes out on the other side, I think it's a pretty good model. You, you know, you've got to take a bit of risk at this point if you're getting in, but I think you, you probably will see a bit more downside as it goes to the new model. Right. But at the longer term picture is pretty Look positive. at that, what, 750, 770, yeah. down to $1.29, so, still further to go down, do you reckon? I think, I think the market potentially has more to go down and right. these things, when, you, when you've got uncertainty, people will sell. Because right. when you get, you know, the banks are down 20, 30%. They'll be around. They'll probably drop another 10, 15%. So people will look at that and say, oh, look, I'd rather buy the banks where it is. And so you might get yeah. that funding problem and some of these beaten up stocks will go even lower. But if you have a two to three year time frame, as this industry gets restructured and come through, I think SDA could be one of them. Uh, Gaurav, it's one of those things where you, you go, oh, aging population, you know, need to put mum and dad somewhere to uh, to retire this is a no-brainer until you see the government as Matham was saying they don't want to get involved but they w really want to regulate the backside out of it don't they so you have government taking a close interest um, so a lot of the decisions are not your own they're being forced on you as the as the outcome of the Royal Commission show. Yeah, this is a really good example of a stock that attracts a lot of attention because it comes with a very neat and convenient narrative. Yeah. Um, but 
beneath that narrative is a wave of complexity and change yep. that is often lost in the story. So it's very obvious and um, a lot of people can see that uh, we have an aging population and old people have to have to reside somewhere. So as a business like this um, gets on the radar of a lot of investors and they think that rising demand is yep. an automatic um, path towards rising profits and that just is not the case. Rising demand is often accompanied by much more competition and lower margins. You ideally want to be in, in an industry that isn't attracting a lot of um, capital and a lot of competitors and that's just not the case here. There's a lot of competition and the government has stepped in to try and, um, and, uh, and make sense of that um, influx of capital, try and regulate and come up with a, an industry structure um, that works for everyone. So far, we actually don't know the rules of what the, the industry structure is going to look like and what the business model might be. The existing revenue model is just really, really complex. Um, about 10 years ago, the UK, UK actually went through a very similar experience. They changed, um, the regulator stepped in and had a wholesale change of the sector. And that led to a lot more demand. Um, so industry revenues actually rose. But because the government insisted on lots of additional services, costs actually rose faster, rev margins were squeezed, and one of the biggest players, Southern Cross, went bankrupt. Mm. Um, so this is an area fraught with danger and risk, even though the stock looks superficially cheap. In this market, where you can take your, you can throw a dartboard at the ASX and come up with a nice cheap stock, I would just, I don't see the the need to be chasing a business like this that's complex, uncertain. Um, and uh, and and the economics of how the business will work in the future are just unknown. Yeah, and you're quite right. It's one of those things that has a really neat narrative that sucks a lot of people but in, it, does it? It's actually really funny. If you look at the obvious thematics in the last 10 years in Australia, you've never made money on them. Like yep. tourism, none of the stocks that link to tourism, even before coronavirus, didn't actually give you good returns. Right. Uh, you know, the banks never gave you good returns. You know, it's, it's age healthcare never gave you a good return. So it's, yeah. it's actually quite funny how the things that we all think must be no-brainers are yeah. actually the hardest one to work through. So yeah, that's a really good point. Um, does Star Entertainment fall into that category, Martin? Yeah, look, it's. I actually think they did a pretty good job turning around the business, but you know, you, you've just run into a Corona wave, um, and you just you just don't want to be there at this point. Uh, it's just. It's just too hard. Um, yeah. I think at some point when all of this clears and you see the numbers turn around, you know, I'm a numbers person, uh, the numbers are atrocious. Um, you, you're looking at a sector where you have no clarity, you, you know, you need tourism bustling, you need the Chinese flying around, you need the big spenders to come through. That's not gonna happen in the next six months. Um, so reality is that's one, no need to be there. Okay, Gora? Yep, this is a, 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 a sector, this and Crown both, um, where they're going to have very low revenue for the next six months or so. It's, it's, it's covered in uncertainty, in volatility, in potential cap raisings, and that's why I think you've got to be here. Uh, this is a buy for me, actually. I think um, when uncertainty is maximised, I'd say your opportunity is also maximised as well. No one else wants to really buy into this. Um, the opposite of the, the narrative fallacy that we were talking about with Estia yep. is the volatility fallacy. And that's when things look so uncertain that um, no one really wants to raise their hands and be a hero and step in. Um, and, and I think that's actually an opportunity here. You look at what we're buying for our $2 billion, which is the market cap of 
of, of Star Group, Star Entertainment, getting some world-class casinos, um, a reasonable growth profile. I mean, the, the thing is trading at basically asset value, which is an astonishing amount for a casino group that's generated reasonable returns over the long term and should generate even better returns in the future. So if it can survive this period, and the balance sheet is, yes, there's some debt there, but it looks like it should be okay. Um, I, I think this is um, this is where investors should be looking at the moment. These sort of really beaten down, unpopular and difficult investments, the more your stomach churns at the thought of buying a stock, the better that investment <laughs> idea. Uh, uh, he's got cast iron guts. Well, he's, he's, he's a value investor. Graham's a value investor and uh, that is smack bang in that territory. Star is better than <coughs> Crown for me. Right. Um, if going through with what Graham's saying, the upside in the short term could be that one of the global casino chains take this opportunity to buy into mm -hmm. one of them. Okay. Um, and that's, they've had a look at, a, at Crown before. Um, I, I think in the short term, it probably will go lower. But longer term, I agree with Graf. There's upside to that. They are very good business models um, and they will come back. It's just that, you know, you, okay. you have to ride, ride the volatility. So uh, a bit of agreement there. Buy on a pullback. Yeah. Back to what, Gaurav? No, buy now. I'd be buying now. Buy so now. We, recently, we recently bought Crown and Star and I felt sick to my stomach doing it. But... <laughs> That was the sign that this is this is the right buy. Um, okay. You know, and you don't, you don't want to be pulling all your money into this. I yeah. think we can we can trickle money in and buy in tranches, and that's a sensible thing to do at this stage. But I think you've got to be looking at these really beaten up, unpopular, and difficult areas. There's no point buying something where the outcome is certain and everything yeah. is going well, and there's a popular consensus behind you you're not doing anything different and you're not going to outperform doing that. You need to make these difficult, um, unpopular investments if you want to outperform. That's the cost. Yeah, look, I agree. And he's just basically told you what a, a good value investor should be doing. Right. Um, I'm more of a numbers guy and I want to see numbers turn before I jump in. Um, I would say the macro at the moment probably favours a bounce in resources over the next three months, more likely than in the industrials and especially in the consumer side of things. Yep. So I probably wouldn't be jumping in now. I'd probably look at resources for that turn because resources are ridiculously cheap. Yep. They just don't have the catalyst at the moment. Um, so I, that's why I would wait because I've got a better opportunity. But right. I, I don't think it's it's bad opportunity. I just think it'll take longer to come through. Okay. All right, let's move on to, uh, to Cole's group. Certainly a lot of headlines at the moment. Um, I was talking to... Um, one of the, the head honchos of Coles the other week and sort of grilling him on why there was a shortage of uh, uh, not just toilet paper, a lot of other things. And he was telling me they take six months to plan for the busiest supermarket week of the year, and that's Christmas week. And uh, they've had, they had three consecutive Christmas weeks that just came out of the blue. So, Nathan, he, he basically said, give me a break. We didn't see this coming. But can they maintain it? I don't think so. Um, no. I mean, I was one of the people that bought early yeah. uh, because, you know, unfortunately, when you're in the market and you're analysing everything, you kind of see where this headed and you can see the trend, what was happening in Asia. You know, the Chinese weren't locking up 60 million people because they wanted to have fun. Yeah. Uh, so there was tough <laughs> times are going to get tougher. Um, I think the, the, the interesting part about, uh, and I actually go to the supermarket every weekend, not mainly to shop, just actually look at what people are doing. And... Um, 
the mainly the things that people have been buying are long life stuff. So you buy a lot of it, but it's not going to go bad. But you're just going to consume it over a long period of time. Yep. So you have you don't have the demand for buying it afterwards. So when in the first month when I was going through and I look, everyone's piling in. I mean, I go early shopping. You see in Woolies, you probably see four or five people at eight o'clock in the morning. Now you see fifty to hundred yep. at eight o'clock in the morning. That just tells you how things have changed. So everyone bought a lot of these long life stuff. Now they've got a lot of that at home. They're not going to buy that for yeah. a very long time. So I think, yes, you have a spike, but then it flattens out and then it evens out through the year. Yeah. Um, so as Coles and Woolies bring in more stuff, people will buy. I think right now you're just seeing the spike in the trade, but really yeah. that's going to be balanced out over so the year. So it's passed. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's going to make them have super profits. Yeah. I think they'll have a better year, but yeah. that just flattens out. So I wouldn't be chasing yeah. Coles. I mean, really? West Farmers didn't sell out twice. <laughs> because they think it's going to be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who's all of a sudden realised that a bottle of hand sanitizer <laughs> lasts a flaming long time? <laughs> you, you buy five of them and you've only got through half a one yeah. since this whole thing started. Gaurav, uh, what do you think of Coles Group? Uh, well, first, let me say that I don't want to be spending my weekends with Nathan if he's been <laughs> <that long. laughs> Yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem a fun sort of guy, does he? <laughs> Hey, no, hang you, no. hanging out in supermarkets, <laughs> security have been moving him on at the moment. <laughs> but look, um, I think the point is fundamentally well made, that what we're, what we're seeing now is not um, rising demand, it's a pull forward of future demand, and, and that will smooth out over time. So we shouldn't be taking sales figures now and extrapolating them in a straight line. Um, that would be misleading. The skulls and Woolies, for that matter, are both sales for me. Um, this is the time to be selling things that come with certainty um, and that haven't been um, hit very hard and to buy things that are drowning in uncertainty and have been hit very hard. So for us in our portfolios, we're rotating out of things like Coles and Woolies and we have owned both of those things until very recently and we're moving into, um, into well, more uncertain and, uh, and cheaper opportunities um, at the moment. The other point to make about Coles and Woolies is that there is a recession in Australia right now and um, people just don't know it yet and it will probably get worse before it gets better. In a recession, consumer behaviour does change and especially we've seen a lot of shortages and people have had to go to other shopping channels, um, online subscription delivery to try and get things. Changes that people make now can become permanent in the future. We saw this in the, again in the UK. In the GFC recession in the UK, a lot of consumers went to Aldi and Lidl for the first time and decided it wasn't as embarrassing or scary as they thought it would be. And even when the economy recovered, those shoppers stayed at Aldi and Lidl and margins and profits at the traditional grocers in the UK have been decimated and never recovered. And that might be a risk we run here as well. Remember, we haven't seen a recession here for 20 odd years. when we see one here as well, uh, consumer behaviour will undoubtedly change and that could come at a cost to the incumbents. Yeah, Nathan uh, and I were talking about this before we came on air and you were saying, Nathan, sort of home delivery, yep. uh, consumer behaviour, yep. uh, that's what you're tracking. Yeah, it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of sectors, groups bang on, there's a lot of sectors that will go through structural change because of how we consume yep. things whether it's media, whether it's entertainment, whether it's medicine, whether it's, uh, you know, supermarket to grocery stuff, uh, even pharmaceuticals, 
that will change. Mm. Um, and you know, the food, um, you know, what kind of food, fast food, cooking yourself. I think a lot of people will actually move towards cooking your own food. Yep. And that will stick because once people get used to it, um, it's not going to be something, as he said. I mean, I know people used to think, oh, I, I don't go to Aldi. I don't go to, I only go to Woolies and Coles. Now, people line up outside Aldi. Yep. I mean, and Costco. Exactly. And, yep. I mean, I, I, live, I live in the West next to Costco. And, you know, in the last couple of weekends, when I come to the Parramatta Road, it's a 500 meter to a, uh, a kilometer of traffic trying to turn into Costco. Wow. You know, yeah, yeah. it's 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 so fashionable now. Yep. It's a fashionable exactly. now. All right, we're halfway through the call between midday and one p.m. every day. You send us the ten stocks that you want to know about, and we put it to our expert panel today. Gaurav Sodi, deputy head of research at Investmart, and Nathan Somersandaram, the strategist at Blue Ocean Equities, and it's great to have their thoughts so far. All right, we've gone through Whisper dubbed uh, an intelligent speculative, if you like. Sydney Airport, both the guys like, but um, but actually prefer Auckland Airport, if you're going to look at an airport. Um, both avoiding STR Health. Bit of division on Star Entertainment. Gorab's got the strongest stomach for it, um, which he admits. Uh, Nathan basically saying, too hard, maybe wait for a couple of weeks. Neither of them like Coles. It's had the spike. It's a classic stock to get out of. All right, second half of our top 10 kicks off, uh, Gaurab, with um, with the ASX. Yeah, so we've owned ASX for a really long time. It's one of the best businesses in Australia. And every month or so when we look at our portfolios, this is the company that comes up um, for potential sale again and again because it just looks expensive. Um, I was hoping it would come back a little bit here, and it really hasn't. It's a tough one. It does look very expensive. And even when you compare it to other listed exchanges, it looks very expensive. But I think we need to resist the urge to sell here. Um, ASX is probably a better business than the numbers suggest. It's going through a bit of a change where it's spending a lot of money on um, software development and platform integration. It's slowly becoming more of a tech business and less of a traditional exchange and i think in the future in 10 years from now you're probably going to see asx in particular but exchanges more generally become much more sophisticated um and uh and software technology type businesses you can see this already i guess but i think i'm expecting in the future margins will start scaling a lot better and we should potentially see tie-ups with with international exchanges um, much more closely than we see now so this I think there's still opportunity. I wouldn't be buying right here, really. I'm, I'm, we need to see a cheaper share price to be buying, but I'd resist the urge to sell. When you're looking through your portfolio, this really stands out as being expensive um, compared to everything else on the market. I would hold for him. Right. And, Nathan, you look, you look at that chart, it's bounced back really yeah. well, which underlines what Gaurav is saying. It's, it's, it's a good business. Oh, it's a great business. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It's, um, it's just it's expensive and it's always expensive. So when it pulled back to $70, that was on a relative to its historical basis. It was actually the cheapest level it got to in mid-March, and that was the buying opportunity. Right. Uh, we actually pushed it. We looked at, in the market pullback, we were looking at, um, Marcus was ridiculously priced at the end of January. So we were looking at what would you buy if everything goes crap? 
Yeah. So you've got to buy the good quality defensive. Yeah, and it came, came along quickly, that opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> we never expected it to play out like this, but yeah. it, it actually happened. But we thought it would probably happen through the year at some point. And the three stocks that stood out for me was AGL after the pullback, Telstra after mm-hmm. the pullback, and ASX. Right. They are really high quality businesses and you're going to use it whether you like them or not. Yep. Uh, and they're good players, big players, defensive, they are non-correlated to economic growth. Even in a recession, you're still going to use them. And ASX is one of those guys. And Grab's right, it always looks expensive, but it's a bloody good business. Yeah. And it's very, I mean, it's, its yield is not great, but when bond yields are less than, you know, 50, 60 basis yeah, points, it it's, yeah. it's really good. It's, yeah. it's yeah, fully franked. Uh, I think it's when you uh, gross it up, it's about 4 or 5% yield. Yep. That's, you know, yep. what you're getting at the bank. That's so would you be one. buying at 79? Um, I th- my or, my or macro view is, product. yeah, I would say hold. I would say there's probably a pullback in the market going to play out. And if yep. that comes back to around 70 or below, I'd be a buyer. Okay, okay. All right. Um, AGL and Telstra, you're saying the yeah. other two? Yeah. Would you still be buying those at this level or yeah. buy on a pullback? Um, look, I think there will be a pullback. I'll probably buy some now and buy more when okay. the pullback comes. All right. Uh, next one is Mervac. Uh, Gaurav? Yeah, this is an interesting stock, actually. Um, so we actually sold this. Um, we had a sell on this um, for a while. And it's, it's, a, it's really two businesses in one. There's a property developer, which I think most people would associate with Mervac. But there's also a property investor here as well. They have about $10 billion of property on the books. And they earn pretty decent um, rental returns on those properties. And it's a diversified bunch of apartments and office blocks, um, pretty reasonable quality. And at the moment, you look at that property book and you look at the market cap, I think it was about 12 billion or so, you had some debt. So it's at a, at a small premium to its, um, to its property book. And it looks okay from that perspective, but I think, I think we've got to think second level here. I think we've been in a very, elevated office office rental market um, and I think there's potential for um, property values to fall a little bit so and that's not even talking about the development arm which I think has been over earning for a while and is due for a huge correction so I'd be um, looking for a, a bit of a discount to the asset value of the business so it needs to be cheaper it's currently trading at a small premium to asset value I'd I'd want it at a discount. It's not a bad business. There's some good parts here. It's it's pretty sensible. They've raised equity at higher prices, so the balance sheet is okay, um, and it's been reasonably well managed in the past. Um, but I think there are better opportunities in this market, mm. and um, there's scope for the property market to get a lot worse. And um, as you probably know for now, you you really want to buy into the fear and and uncertainty. And I don't think we're quite there in in, in property yet. Yeah, Nathan. Yeah, I think we're in a multi-year slow grind lower for property and Mervac has exposure on both sides. Um, I don't think their rental will be doing that well. Um, They will have a big um, earnings hole and I think they'll have to raise money to cover that. So they'll come to the market. This will be one of those ones where the market will look at that and say, oh, maybe you need cash and they'll sell down because if you're a fund manager, you're holding Mervac you know you're going to be getting a bite when they raise money, yep. so you sell it, and you, that brings down the share price, buy and then the you get the, then you get the discount, yeah. so you buy back and you get the performance, yeah. and then you ram it back up. Uh, so it's a great strategy when you know. 
as long as they're not going to, I don't think it's going to go bust, but I think they'll raise money, that'll probably be the bottom. So I wouldn't be jumping in. Grab's right, yeah. it's going lower. And again, this is another behaviour thing coming out the other side or when we go over the bridges, Scott Morrison is uh, talking about, of all of these companies who have had staff working from home going, oh, they didn't do too bad. <laughs> Well, Maybe we'll get more of them and well, think, uh, think we don't of, need as much office Think space. of the other side of that business model. There's a lot of service offices and yep. business out there. Yep. There's a number of businesses that offer service offices. Yep. Those will get hit hard. Yeah. I mean, you look at it globally, WeWorks. Oh, WeWork. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, they'll write books about WeWork. Exactly. I mean, that's, that, you know, we forget Disaster. about how the funding is, but the basic concept of the model Yep. It will be under threat because if you get people getting used to working from home, you know, it's, it's yeah. actually quite common overseas. Like, I mean, I, when I was working in New York, if you get a bit of snow, nobody comes into Manhattan. Everyone's at home yep. and they work, but they're used to that. Yep. In Australia, we're not used to that. Yep. Now, this is forcing us to get used to that. And once people realize, actually, it's not that bad, we can still get the work done, mm. then that changes the whole dynamics. Yep. And so I think that whole property sector, and the other thing to remember in the GFC, Property sector looked really good going into GFC, and then everyone had to raise money. Yeah, and yeah. it was massive because everyone sold it, got smashed. So, again, yeah. they never recovered to those peaks. So, I'd yeah. say be careful. All right, Mervac a miss there. Um, smaller retail, um, Nathan Adairs, they've closed all their stores like yeah. most other retailers at the moment. Going to be tough going for them. Yeah, um, it's you know you got to think of where the discretionary money is going to go. And I, d I don't see a dares as the top of my list where I'm going to be spending a lot in. Yeah. Um, I think you need to have, but it's not something that you're going to replace too quickly. Um, so I, I think you look at the guys who are going to benefit out of the cycle that's coming through, um, you know, more technology, uh, things like what JB Hi-Fi sells, even, I mean, they've over-earned, but that's why they're over-earning because people are buying more things to work from home. They'll benefit out of that. Um, I think things like, um, um, Celio, who sells personal care tissues and all that, they'll do relatively well because there's a lot more demand and that's probably going to last more into the yeah. future. Yeah. Uh, but things like betting and so forth, it's not going to be the thing that people are going to spend money in in a weaker economy. So yeah. I think Adairs will struggle. Yeah. Gaurav? This is a better quality retailer than you might think, actually. Um, when we first had a look at Adairs, um, it's got 15% operating margins. And for a retailer, that is really high. We had an office pool going to see how long it would take post IPO for those margins to fall. And I can tell you we lost because um, those margins have been persistently high. This is a, a pretty solid business and it's really well managed. Um, it's, uh, it's a shame really that the, this has really um, hit the business really hard and it's really difficult now in retail to make a judgment on what happens from here. It's, it's only modestly geared. Debt isn't really a problem, but with all retailers you've got um, lease obligations that you have to pay. Now, the big discussion in retail at the moment is how are those lease obligations going to be shared with landlords in an environment where revenue is zero? And we don't really have an answer for that. Some retailers have unilaterally declared, Premier Group said this, that we're just not going to pay landlords and what are you going to do about it? <laughs> um, so there has to be some sort of an agreement here to share the pain. And without knowing what the outcome of that agreement is, Retail yeah. is dangerous space. Now, having said that, this is a high quality retailer. If you do want to take on a bit of speculation and risk, this is an interesting one. The other one, if I can present one more, is LaVisa. LaVisa is yeah. 
the best retailer I've ever seen in Australia. Um, their numbers are amazing, it's oh. superbly managed in the, exactly the same problems as it is. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, oh, that's that a great business. It's a, right. it's a, it's a really, uh, just in time management, so they move their inventory very quick to what, what's in demand, and we've grabbed up, spoken about this plenty of times. We love it. Uh, it's yeah. a great business, well managed, um, but it's in a bad macro, so you right. know when the, when things start to turn, that's yeah. that's one I would be buying as well. And Solomon Lou is uh, <laughs> you can see him using this as an opportunity. Solly is, yeah. is is a wise old devil, and he's wow. going right. If I want to get stuck into these landlords, now is the time to do it. Never, this is never, why once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Never, never miss a good crisis no, to take exactly advantage. right. If I can get my smiggle rents down, I will. I'm Peter Alexander. All right. Actually, David, because um, oh yeah, everyone, a lot of overseas visitors, a lot of um, a lot of people in Australia, they all complain about the Australian retail tax, about why anything retail in Australia is so expensive. The answer to that question is not because retailers are earning excessive margin; no, it's because landlords have been taking a huge chunk of the um, of the value chain in Australia for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, we have high minimum wages in this country, so that partly explains it as well. But it's it's landlords who are real um, re, um, rapacious in this country. And I think there might be a reckoning for landlords after this. Yeah. I think this might be a trigger to actually bring down long-term returns um, from shopping centres. So although things like vicinity and centre look very cheap and quite interesting, um, you'd, be one, you'd be a bit careful um, in yeah. that space too. And interesting what what the government announces this afternoon on um, on protecting protecting yes. um, retailers and sort of commercial and uh, and residential rents as well. So it's going to be fascinating. Um, next one, going back to the other end of the scale, the smaller cap uh, company, Smart Group Corporation, um, salary salary packaging and, and fleet management, basically, Nathan, mm. uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, I mean, there's. Uh, McPherson, uh, partly Eclipse. There's a bunch of stocks that work in that industry. They were market darlings a few years ago, um, uh, and then you know, you know, you've had car sales fall through the floor for uh, more than a year. So that's you know those kind of things have gone through. Now you've got a weak economy. I, I just think you know it's it's probably going to fall into Gaurav's category where you know if you're a value investor, you start looking at things because everything looks bad. Mm. And they do look bad. It's a bit like the the car sector where APE goes and all of them. They yep. just look shocking. Yep. Uh, why would you look at them after 22 months of falling car sales? Uh, but it is one of those ones. They look cheap, but you, I just don't see the catalyst where what's going to turn it around in the short term. Um, I think you, when you're going into a weak economy, most of these things are probably going to remain subdued for a period of time. So I'm not a, I'm not jumping in, but it it is an interesting sector because all of those things that have just been so bad for so long even before coronavirus, that you've yeah. got to think that there's going to be some valuation support coming in or there's going to be industry consolidation coming in. Yeah. Uh, you know, there'll be a few guys buying each other out. So yeah. I think it's an interesting one to keep an eye on, but I, I'm not ready to buy into it. Yeah. Yet. Gaurav, what, a, what about you as a value investor? Yeah, Nathan's read my mind here. It's, <laughs> it's a buy for me. <laughs> but um, there are a few caveats here, the few things to think about. Um, the first of all is that the long-term CEO... Uh, recently resigned right before the share price collapsed interestingly but um, and that's always a bit of a a danger sign when you have a long-term CEO who goes there's often things in the closet that come out little problems that were swept under that suddenly have to be dealt with so 
just that alone um, merits a bit of caution. Um, and the other thing is that this business has grown rapidly in the past, mostly through um, acquisition and consolidation of the industry. So you've had an industry with lots of different players all consolidating into two or three um, large competitors. So the opportunity for growth here is probably a lot smaller than it was in years gone by. Um, but having said that, this is actually a decent business. So it, it you, I mean, you guys have, have uh, are right on. It's basically an administrator of um, paperwork for employees, um, things like salary packaging and, and car fleets. These are um, really annoying, fiddly things um, for, um, for for businesses that don't introduce a lot, that, that don't require a lot of cost, but take up a lot of time. So it makes sense to outsource. And once you outsource them, companies like Smart Group can access scale and actually do them cheaper than most people can do them in house. And so you, you've got um, a business that with a with a genuine cost advantage here, and that with a very sticky customer base. I, I don't see why. Um, uh, you know, a recession should necessarily mean lower revenues for this business, although it makes a lot of margin when people switch, you know, buy new cars and change their um, administration and things like that. So yeah, margins will probably fall, but this is a, a pretty resilient business and it's very cheap at the moment. Um, it's hard to look past. I, I'd, I'd buy from here. Okay. All right. Um... Are you convinced, Martin, or are you still no, going to start? No, no, I think it's, you know, it, this is a classic Gaurav stock, um, and I can see it. He, he, he'd fall hook, line, and sinker. Um, it's, it's, Gaurav, what's he saying about it? It's, it's, ugly, it's ugly enough that Gaurav will go, there's an opportunity. Um, yes, I, I just think, I mean, because I, I come from a top-down perspective, yeah. I just see better opportunities other place, and I just think it's too hard at this point. Right, I need okay. more clarity. All right. Um, and our final one for the top 10 today on the call is Collins Foods, the uh, owner of KFC and Sizzler. Uh, Goran? Look, this I don't have strong opinions on this company, actually. Look, it's fine. Um, they own a whole collection of um, KFC centres, and historically it's been a really decent business to be involved with. Um, the current situation makes this complex because this is not really a delivery business. Um, it's at the really the wrong end of, of where the trends are for this industry in terms of health consciousness um, and even quality. You know, most fast food is going upscale a bit. Yep. But um, so, so revenue is going to be severely impacted. We've got all those leases um, like any other retailer has to, to, to worry about. It, it's okay. I mean, they've got a bit of debt, but they should get through this with a bit of um, uh, negotiation with land, landlords. And at the end of it, you've got a, a reasonable business at a reasonable price. I just think you can do better in the current environment. Um, one that we own at the moment is Domino's. And I think Domino's mm -hmm. is, a, is a more expensive stock than this. It doesn't look as cheap as Holland's, but it's just a much better business model because you're not running restaurants. You're really selling franchises. And and you don't need as much capital to run those um, to sell franchises as you need to run collections of restaurants. And you know the the trend in in fast food is really deliverability. Deliverability and no food item is as perfectly structured for delivery as the pizza. I mean, if you've tried to have your burger or um, or Thai delivered, it just it's not as good as a pizza. And you can see that from the sales trends all around the world. Um, Domino's is doing terrifically well over, all over the world. There are some problems because of the virus. It's closed all over Europe, for example. But I think after this crisis passes, 
there's a significant growth opportunity for Domino's that just isn't there for something like Collins Food. So, look, this is a fine business. I don't don't you know don't want to discourage anyone from from um, owning it, but I think um, you can get better returns elsewhere. Okay. Uh, Nathan, you earlier told us you love hanging around supermarkets. Uh, what about KFCs? Oh. <laughs> Funny <laughs> to enough, do that later in the day. I've, I've actually lived next to a KFC within 100 metres of it pretty much all my life. Right. Okay. Uh, and I've lived in most parts of Sydney, so it's a scary concept. That doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I remember when Colin Foods listed. Yeah. Uh, they downgraded within the first six months, absolutely got slaughtered. Yes. Um, and the broker who actually did the IPO actually downgraded, which was funny. Um, and, um, and then they recovered and they actually did really well. It, it is actually really pretty well managed. Grab's right, it's a, it's a solid business. It's just in the wrong part of what has happened in every <laughs> aspect you can think of. It is just wrong in every way. So it's gonna take a hit. I think it probably goes lower in the next pullback in the market, but look, it's not the sexy stock. It's not going to be, you know, double your money, yeah. uh, but it's a solid stock. If it goes back cheap enough, I would buy it, yeah. but it, it's not one I'm is, excited is, about. As Gaurav was saying, is Domino's a better option? Yeah, look, Domino's is, it's not a tech stock. Grab and I have argued over this. Uh, it is not a tech stock. It's just a pizza maker, but it's a bloody yeah. good pizza maker and a deliverer. So okay. uh, I think it has more leverage uh, in this economy and potentially how the structure sets up into the future right. than Colin Foods. Okay. All right. Uh, that's our, our 10 stocks for today on the call. If I can summarize, you guys jump in if I stuff this up. Um, Whisper, intelligent, speculative. Uh, Sydney Airport, yep, great business. Uh, if they were to raise, then buy on the on the pullback, but Auckland Airport is a better option. Uh, no from both of you on Estia. Um, a mixed bag on uh, on Star Entertainment. Nathan, not a fan. Gorav, a big fan of it. Um, Coles, avoid. Um, hold uh, the stock exchange, but cer- certainly don't buy or sell it, basically, because it's, it's expensive. Mervac, no. A uh, bit of a division on Adairs, um, good business, good retailing business, well run, uh, but Labisa is a better option from both of you if you're looking at a small retailer. Smart Group, bit of a difference there. Um, Gaurav, ever the, uh, according to Mathan, has been sucked in by the graph uh, <laughs> as a value investor. <laughs> um, and uh, Collins Food, uh, better with Domino's as an alternative. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us today. It's been terrific. Gaurab Sodi, Deputy Head of Research at Investmart, and Mathan Samazandaram from uh, The Strategist at Blue Ocean Equities. Um, great to have you both here. Look forward to you joining the call over coming weeks as well. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Well, that's all Thanks we have time for on the call today. Really enjoyed it. And um, I'm, I'm loving the banter between our uh, between our panelists and uh, as you can see they have such deep knowledge into the markets I'm learning a hell of a lot in this hour every day and I think that's why I'm loving it so much hopefully you are as well uh, join us on Monday um, every uh, trading afternoon between 12 p.m. and 1 p.m. and if you want to suggest a, a stock for Monday you can do it email us the call at osbiz.com.au and send us through your suggestions on Twitter as well. Um, Coming up, um, more of our coverage 
of market trading and business news here on Ausbiz. See you at the other side of the break.